0: Isn't that a cool bumper video that uh, Hayden put together, huh? Yeah, I love that. That's really great. My name is Pastor Cliff, and we are starting today. I'm excited about it because we're starting a series called Good News, which is why Hayden put that particular uh, bumper together. i like to welcome you today. It's good to see half of your faces, and um, and it's good to know that those online probably are have their full faces, but we don't get a chance to see that, so... We are doing this series on good news, and the the exciting thing to me is the Bible is actually full of good news. Oftentimes, we tend to look at it and think it actually is coming at things from a negative viewpoint, not a positive, because we don't understand how God's writing it or his heart in writing it. But I want to assure you the Bible is full of good news, and we're going to be looking at that. But sometimes, We feel lost in spite of the good news, don't we? Sometimes we just feel like we're lost. I I want to ask a question. Have have any of you ever been lost? Go ahead and don't be too embarrassed. Put your hand up if you've been lost. Yeah, I'm talking about physically, emotionally, spiritually. I think that covers most of us. I was lost a couple of months ago when we were looking for houses, and we went into this complex that I don't know how it happened, but uh, for a while I'm I'm trying to figure out how in the world to get out of it, right? And uh, what's the one thing you're thinking about that you want to have happen when you're lost be found be found found. that's exactly right I wanted to find out where I was I actually took my GPS out to get out of this complex because uh I got so turned around inside of it so here's another question does it matter at that point when you're thinking how do I want to just be found I want to figure out where I'm at right now does it matter to you at that point how you got there no, it doesn't. Now, now, for some of you husbands, it might matter to your wife because she wants to remind you of why you got lost. You weren't listening to her or whatever it is. But but normally, but normally, normally the truth is that, that when we're lost, all we care about is being found. And the Bible, we're going to look at that this morning. Here's what I believe you're going to find. That as far as the Bible's concerned, it doesn't matter how or why you got lost. Jesus just wants you to be found and saved. And that is... Good news. So as we are going to look at we're going to look at Luke chapter 15 today and we're going to walk through and take a peek at that. And I want to tell you there is something for every person in this message. If you are a saved person, you have a relationship with Jesus Christ, you love him, there is still something in this for you. If you have no idea who he is and you're just checking out this stuff out, there is something in it for you. Every person has an opportunity to find themselves somewhere here. And to understand a little better how God actually sees you. So let's uh, take a moment and ask Him to show us that because I find that that makes all the difference in the world. Would you pray with me? Holy Spirit, right now, we are asking you to speak to us. And, Lord, I am praying that for the people who are here in this room, and I'm praying that for those online, that you would speak to them, that they would sense your presence, that you would impress upon their minds things that are so clearly from you, not from them, that they would have no no option but to say, wow, Lord, I've never seen that about you before. Thank you for that. And so, God, open our ears to hear you, and I pray to speak to us in a way that will make a difference even as we go from this place. In Jesus' name, amen. So, you know, I I love to ask questions because, to me, it helps us think a whole lot. And so the question I want to ask as we really start getting into this is this question. This is the theological question. Why did Jesus Christ come to this earth? Why? Anybody? Anybody? To save the lost. To save the lost. That's right. As a matter of fact, Paul says it in 1 Timothy 1.15, Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. And then Jesus himself said, hey, here's the purpose for me coming into the world. In Luke 19.10, he said, for the Son of Man, that's how he referred to himself, for the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. So Jesus came to see the lost found And the sinners saved. Got to ask the question. Who's the sinners? Us. Oh, thank you. Whoever said that, give her a candy bar because she up and admitted it right there. Us. And who was the lost? us oh so he came to the earth for us for humanity for mankind his purpose for coming he says is to see the lost found and the sinners saved and then Jesus says and when that happens when you get found and you get saved I've got some incredible news for you he says I'm going to give you life and I'm going to give it to you more abundantly in John 10:10 Jesus says I have come that they and the they are those who have been found and saved may have life and have it abundantly. When does that life start? Now. Right now. That life starts right now. You don't have to wait to get to eternity for that life, that abundant life to start. It starts right now. And that is an exciting, exciting thing that we get the chance to participate in. It doesn't always look like we think it might look. Amen? Sometimes that abundant looks in ways that we don't think it was going to come at us at all. But then here it is. And we go, wow, thank you, Lord, for that. So his purpose for coming, to seek and to save the lost, What was his motivation? Why? Love. Love. You guys are a good group. Man, did you look at the answers ahead of time? Come on now. Man, that's good. Yeah, love. Jesus said the motivation for Jesus coming to earth was love. Jesus said, for God so loved the world, that means everybody, that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him would not perish but have everlasting or eternal life. So his motivation was love. Now we're going to look at Luke chapter 15. We'll start with verse 1 in just a moment, and we'll see some different situations of lost, lost situations. I'll call them lost situations. In it, I'm convinced that you will find yourself and you will begin to recognize the love that Jesus has for you. But I want, to, I want to point out a couple of things before, right before we jump into it, just to kind of set the stage. And because as I thought about this scripture, I thought, you know, we have a tendency to see this in a certain way. I do, uh, in part because of my background. I grew up in a church that was uh, a lot about how you did things, you know. I mean, it was really kind of about, uh, well, a little bit legalistic. And we had a tendency to look at lost people as bad. And so as a young boy, uh, elementary school boy, I remember thinking, man, I don't want to be a lost person because they're bad people. But that's not how Jesus sees them. That isn't how Jesus sees the lost. In fact, if you are lost, Jesus doesn't see us as bad. He just sees us as lost. That's it. There's not bad people because they don't know him. They haven't been found. They're just lost. So that's the one thing you're going to see. The second thing you're going to see is this. There are different reasons that people get lost. There are different reasons that people get lost. But here's what's important. Jesus does not fixate on the reasons. And by the way, if he doesn't, we shouldn't either. Jesus does not fixate on the reasons people got lost. What, but here's that. It doesn't. What he says is it doesn't matter how you got lost. Jesus just wants you found and saved. It doesn't matter how you got there. He just wants you found and saved. So some of the reasons that people get lost is sometimes they get distracted. Sometimes they get, they're, they're caught up in something careless, maybe by themselves or by someone else. Sometimes they actually are lost on purpose. Some people actually do get lost on purpose. They don't want to be found. Sometimes it's just by an accident. So here we go. Luke chapter 15 will begin at verse number 1. Tax collectors and other notorious sinners often came to listen to Jesus teach. This made the Pharisees and the teachers of religious law complain that he was associating with such sinful people, even eating with them. Why do you think Jesus associated with sinful people and ate with them? Why? They were the lost ones. That's exactly right. And if you want to influence someone, guess what? You got to be around them. You got to be able to. got to communicate with them. You need to be willing to engage in their life. And many times, those of us who have been lost, when we are found, often the time that we are most effective at helping other people find Jesus is not long after we've been found, right, and saved because we get all excited about it and we want the people that were lost with us before to actually get saved. So we get excited about it and we want to talk to them about it. Now, now I want to give you a little bit of a warning here. We want to be the influencers, not those who are influenced. Do you see that? So that's why Jesus associated with them and he would often associate with them in the places they were most familiar with. But he was the influencer, not the one influenced. So if you have to look inside of yourself and ask yourself this question, am I the influencer or am I the one being influenced? Do you see that? And the reason for that is this. If you don't ask yourself that question and answer it honestly, you could put yourself in a place where you might be influenced to actually get lost again. And that's not, that's not what Jesus wants, and that's not what you want. And so you've got to say, okay, I've got to understand that. I've got to, be, I've got to stay away from those places where I could be influenced in the wrong way and say, Lord, I want to be the influencer for you. I want to represent you well wherever I go. Okay, let's keep going. Verse number 4, verse number 4. So Jesus told them this story. If a man has a hundred sheep and one of them gets lost, what will he do? Won't he leave the 99 others in the wilderness and go to search for the one that is lost until he finds it? And when he has found it, he will joyfully carry it home on his shoulders. And when he arrives, he'll call together his friends and neighbors saying, Rejoice with me because I have found my lost sheep. In the same way, there is more joy in heaven over one lost sinner who repents and returns to God than over 99 others who are righteous and haven't strayed away stop there a second so that's the first story illustration parable that Jesus is giving us so we got to stop and think about that for a moment why do you think that sheep might have gotten lost any ideas distracted. got distracted not paying attention I, 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 we raised some sheep and goats when I was a kid and let me tell you something sheep are not the smartest between the two sheep are dumb I mean, it's not a compliment when we're, we are referred to as sheep. I will promise you that. And, and they're like, I mean, they get distracted. And they, they're looking for grass, and they're looking for grass. And they're just, they're, they look like they're, they're a lawnmower, man, just going across, eating, eating, eating. And when they're eating and they're just kind of tooling their thing, they get completely distracted by everything else. And they're always looking for the greener grass, which is usually where? on the other side of the fence or some place, and so they're always, they're, they're getting in trouble, they're getting out, they're getting distracted, and often they don't even realize they're lost. Some people are lost because they are distracted by life. They're so busy with life. I've got to do more. I've got to get more. I've got to have more fun. I've got to recreate here. I've got to accumulate this. I've got to protect that. I'm thinking about we want to, we want to do this. And they get so distracted by life, they get lost. A few years ago, um, I was at the Northwest uh, Washington Fair, which is in Linden, Washington, in Watcom County, and I was there with 15 of my grandkids. Uh, and, and their parents and um, my grandkids range in—they they eight years separate all 15 of them. Okay, so that's not a boatload of years, but it's enough. So they, like the older ones want to go on the bigger rides. The little, little little ones want to go on the kitty rides. And then we had a group that wanted to go see the animals. So we split up into three groups, and we said, okay, we're going to meet right back here at whatever time it was. So let's meet back here at that time. So at that time, we come back, and we meet, and, we all, and, we, and, and everybody gets together, and we count noses, and we're missing one. And it doesn't take a minute but to go, uh-oh, we're missing Everett Clifford. My, he, was my, uh, he was between three and four years old at that time, my oldest daughter's child, and he was, wasn't there. So immediately his parents, you know, shot out and started looking around for him. They came back after a minute and said, we can't find him. So he left one person in charge of the other 14 and said, don't let him go anywhere. And all the rest of us shot out to find that kid. And guess what? We never found him. Somebody else did, fortunately. A friend of the family did, and a friend of the family is is in the animal, and he was with the animal group, and and now the friend of the family sees this little three or four year old, and they go, wait, they recognize Everett, and they said, Everett, what are you doing? He's all by himself. Well, what had happened is, the group that he was with had been looking at all the animals, and then the person who was leading the group, I won't throw which kid under the bus, uh, said, let's go. Everybody, let's go. And all the kids that were in that group started to go. And Everett started to go too, and all of a sudden, Everett got distracted by something going on with that sheep, and he turned around to look at the sheep. And there he is, just just having a good old time with the sheep. And this family friends come along, and they say, uh, uh, Everett, Everett, where's your mom and dad? I don't know. Where's your grandpa and grandma? I don't know. Are you lost? No. <laughs> he knew right where he was at. He was just looking at the sheep. And they said, you know, maybe you ought to come with us. And they took him by the hand and walked him back, you know. And, 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 and we saw them coming out of the barn with, with, uh, with a little guy in tow. And, of course, his parents were both incredibly relieved and, and a little bit annoyed, you know. We told you to stick with the group, you know. But the thing is, Everett didn't even realize the danger he was in. And he didn't even realize that he was lost. He was totally distracted by life. But here's what we know. The good news is, it doesn't matter how you got lost. Jesus just wants you found and saved. And he is so compassionate in pursuing the lost. What did he do when he found that sheep? What did he do with it? We just read it. He carried it on his shoulders. He picked that thing up and he put... You've seen pictures of the shepherd with a with sheep on the shoulders, haven't you? Well, he, he picked the sheep up and put it over his like, legs on both sides of his head, and he took it back. And do you know what he was telling that thing when he was going back? Listen, I'm your shepherd. You are my sheep. You need to know who I am. You need to recognize my voice. You need to follow me. Not get off by yourself. He was bonding, which is what shepherds do, with their sheep. Wow. What a picture of Jesus' compassion for you and I when we get lost because he doesn't care the reason why you got lost. He just wants you found and saved. So let's look at our second example. Verse number 8. Or suppose a woman has ten silver coins and loses one won't she light a lamp and sweep the entire house and search carefully until she finds it? And when she finds it, she will call in her friends and neighbors and say to them, rejoice with me because I found my lost coin. In the same way, there is joy in the presence of God's angels when even one sinner repents. Did you know some people are lost because someone got careless? Sometimes it's the person themselves and sometimes it's someone else who got careless with their life. And I'll explain that in a minute, but here's the good news. It doesn't matter how you got lost. Jesus just wants you found and saved. You know, my son Elijah and I uh, love to ride motorcycles together. And uh, we've been uh, from coast to coast, from the Canadian border to Mexico and all kinds of other places. This particular time we were heading down... um, 395 in eastern Oregon, and we're heading, we're gonna, we're gonna make Lakeview, California by night, which is on the, the very northern end of, uh, of California where California and Oregon meet up. 395, if you've never been on it, is a beautiful highway that goes through the Blue Mountains. You, you jump off uh, 84 in Pendleton, and if, if this is your map, so you're heading south to California. Are you with me here? South. So, this is what direction is this? East? Is that east to you guys? Okay, just making sure. And this is west then, right? And so we're going down this way. And, and 395 goes down, and then it hits Burns. Now, from Burns, Oregon, south of that, if you've ever been there on the east side, of it, you now are in high Desert. And you go through the, basically the desert all the way to, to Lakeview, California. But now 395 comes down, and when it hits Burns, it goes west for about 30 miles along with Highway 20 there. And 20 runs from east and west from Ontario to uh, Bend, okay? So what happens is you come down, and you, you kind of hang a right, and then you got to go left again down the rest of 395 to California. So Elijah and I are, are, are two along, and, and it's a beautiful summer. Now, this is a longer day for us, and we like to be wherever we're going by nighttime. We like to be there by dinnertime so we can have time to just relax and, and, and hang out together. And so we're, we're heading down 395. We get to Burns, and we, we take the right. In my mind, I can remember how the map goes, and I'm just going to go down again. To, so, uh, but then we get behind these motorhomes, and it's a two-lane highway, and there are about five motorhomes lined up with each other. And we're going. Oh mercy sakes! You know. Uh, well, the, the convenient thing about being on a motorcycle is you can get around things usually fairly quickly. And um, and so I I'm, I happen to be leading at the moment, and I'm looking and I'm looking. Also, I think I see enough highway, so I bang it down a gear, and I just and away we go, man. And right behind me comes Elijah, and we passed all five of those dudes, man. And got over in front of them again, and and man, we're heading around, and we're just we're just rolling. And and uh, pretty soon I'm thinking to myself. This feels kind of weird. It feels like, feels like the sun should be, shouldn't be in my face. It feels like I should be going south. Sooner or later, this road is going to go south, and I, and I keep looking for that road, but I don't see it. And, 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 then, and all of a sudden, it would kind of start to turn, and I think, okay, okay, we're good. And then all of a sudden, I went back again. And I'm going, So finally, I just pulled over the road, and, I, and so Elijah pulls over with me. I said, something's not right. I said, and he said, why? I said, because the sun sets in the west, and it's, it's in our face, and we should be going south. It should be on our right shoulder. And, and he said, wow. He took out his phone and went, oh, ho, ho, you're right. We made great time going in the wrong direction. <laughs> yeah, we were about 45 minutes an hour from where it went down. And what happened is when we were by those five motorhomes, now in my defense, in my defense, the sign was only about this big that said, Lakeview, that way. We didn't see it. We were on the other side of the motorhomes getting by them in a hurry, and so we were going the wrong direction. Do you know you can get lost by just being careless? And then it takes some persistence sometimes. To have, there was not a shortcut going back. We had to just backtrack the whole way and then finally get south. And so we got into Lakeview much later. But I, we had to be persistent about it. I love the fact that Jesus is persistent in pursuing the lost. And the good news is he doesn't care how we got lost. He just wants us found and saved. And sometimes in a case like that, it was, it was on us, right? It was our fault. But in other cases, it's not your fault. It's somebody else, perhaps, was careless with you. And my wife and I were talking, my wife Karen and I were talking about this, and she said, you know, she uh, was largely a single mom to her daughter and said, you know, I feel like I was careless with her. Because I wasn't walking with Jesus during those foundational years of when I was raising her. And then I really found him. and I began to walk with him. But by that time, she had kind of gone her way. And so I feel like my carelessness impacted her. So what do we do about that? And what do we do? We say, well, let's see. From the very beginning, we are noticing that the shepherd was the pursuer that the woman with the lost coins representing the Lord, representing God, is looking, is pursuing. So we say, Lord, Jesus, you're pursuing. Holy Spirit, you're the one who's pursuing. So now we're just going to pray for you to pursue her. We're going to pray for you to show her, and we're going to live lives that hopefully there will be a day when she'll say, would you tell me why you can live that way? Would you tell me what's going on? I I I need that kind of relationship myself. Because here's what we know about Jesus. He doesn't care how you got there. He just wants you found, and he wants you saved. So now let's look at the third example, verse number 11. To illustrate the point further, Jesus told them this story. A man had two sons. The younger son told his father, I want my share of your estate now before you die. i got to stop there just for a second. That was not a nice thing to do. It was very not accepted. He was essentially saying, I wish you were dead, Dad. That's what he was essentially saying. But his father agreed to divide his wealth between his sons. A few days later, this younger son packed all his belongings and moved to a distant land. And there he wasted all his money in wild living. Some people are lost because they are self-absorbed. It's all about them. It's, they, they, and they're lost, actually, they're the ones who are lost on purpose. They know they and I just want to say this if this is you and, and this is the way you're living, then you've determined who your God is. And just look in the mirror because that's who your God is. You're living for yourself. And, and, and that's what happened to this young man. He all he could think about was what he wanted to get to be so he so he could what I want to do with it. I want to be the person I want to have it. I want to be able to access it myself. He was completely selfish, completely consumer oriented. But here is what we know. Still, even in a case like that, Jesus doesn't care how you got lost. He just wants you found and saved. Verse 14, about the time his money ran out, a great famine swept over the land and he began to starve. He persuaded a local farmer to hire him, and the man sent him into his fields to feed the pigs. Just a little reminder here, that wasn't a, uh, a good job, uh, as we would look at jobs. And it really wasn't a good job for a young Jewish man who wanted nothing to do with pigs because they were unclean. The young man became so hungry that even the pods he was feeding the pigs looked good to him. But no one gave him anything. And when he finally came to his senses, he said to himself, At home, even the hired servants have food enough to spare, and here I am dying of hunger. I'll go home to my father and say, Father, I've sinned against both heaven and you. I'm no longer worthy of being called your son. Please take me on as your hired servant. I don't know if you've ever uh, rehearsed something you're going to tell somebody ahead of time, but, but this, that's what this is, right? He's thinking to himself, gosh, dad's, dad's servants... Do a whole lot better. They're at least not going hungry. I could go back home, be one of his servants, and I would be a lot better off. Ooh, how am I going to do that? So he rehearses in his mind exactly what he's going to say to his dad to get his dad to allow him to, be, to come back uh, home. And so he returned home to his father. And while he was still a long way off, his father saw him coming, filled with love and compassion. Stop there a second. The Father is filled with love and compassion. For who? This Yehu wayward kid of his who really stuck it in his face, who really was terrible to him. who who has done everything he shouldn't do, but the Father is filled with love and compassion. Some of you need to hear this right now. Your Father loves you. He is compassionate about you. He does not care how you got where you are at. He just wants you found and saved. And he loves you so much. He is so compassionate about you and about your circumstances and about the situation that you are in. So filled with love and compassion, he ran to his son, embraced him, and kissed him. His son said to him, here he goes, he's got it all planned out. Father, I've sinned against both heaven and you, and I'm no longer worthy of being called your son. He doesn't even get a chance to get to the next part yet, the final part that he was going to say, but here's how I am willing to be treated by you. And his father interrupts him. His father said to his servants, quick, bring the finest robe in the house and put it on him. Get a ring on his finger and sandals for his feet and kill the calf we've been fattening. We must celebrate with a feast for this son of mine was dead and he's now returned to life. He was lost, but now is found. So the party began. Wow. Man, Jesus is so patient in pursuing the lost. He's so patient in pursuing the lost, and the good news is it doesn't matter how you got lost. He just wants you found and saved. Some of us listen. Some of us. Some of us need to understand that this is a perfect Father. Now, I don't know about you, but um, my dad was a great guy, but he wasn't perfect. And I was really decimated when I found out that my children saw me that way. Uh, that I'm a great dad, but I'm not perfect. You know, I really thought I was, but uh, kind of disappointing to find out. Dad, we've prayed about the ways that you've hurt us and we've, we're forgiving you. What? Who did you think your father was? You know, I know. I'm, I... So, as, as, as people, as human beings, we can tend to see our father in heaven through the lens of our father. On earth please don't do that don't demean him who is perfect who created you who loves you who loves you no matter how you've gotten where you're at and no matter what other people think of you he still loves you he's the perfect dad the perfect father so don't confuse him with your earthly father please now, I want you to notice his father tells him the party begins. And, and there's something different, though, in this story than in the first two, isn't there? What is the difference? What's the difference in the attitude of the seeker in this story from the first two? Anybody? He didn't, he didn't go looking for him. I know there's four of you online who got that already, but thanks for that. Just put in the chat, I had the answer, and we'll feel good about you. Uh, he didn't pursue them. In the first one, the shepherd goes looking for the sheep. I'm going to leave the 99 here where they're safe. I'm going to go everywhere I can. I'm going to find them. In the other one, she's searching diligently for that coin. She's looking for him. She's actively searching for it. In this case, he didn't pursue him. Oh, interesting. But it's not that he didn't care. I wanted to make that point really clear before we got here. He did care. He cared deeply. And we know that because he was looking for his son. He's looking down the road. Man, I hope he's coming someday. And all of a sudden, one day, he's looking down the road, and he goes, I think that's him. I think it's him. And, and what does he do? It, 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 he literally, here's the picture. He did something that, that, that gentlemen in, in the Middle Eastern culture would never do because it was unseemly. It was unsightly. He picked his robe up so he could run to, fight, to get to his son and, 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 and exposed his legs, which, of course, gentlemen would never do. So, but he didn't care because he had such love and compassion for him. But he didn't pursue him when he left. So he, you see here, here's the situation. The whole reason for all of this, the motivation for Jesus' coming, you all said it, was love. What ingredient must be there for love to be demonstrated to us? What, what, what has to be there in order for, for your love to be proved for me, to me? Well, relationship is right, yeah. What else? Compassion is right, yes. But what else? There's something else that's got to be there, and otherwise I don't know that, that you are choosing to love me. Oh, oh, I just said it, didn't I? Choice. Choice. Oh, oh, that's why God said to Adam and Eve, I'm going to give you choice. Any tree in the garden except this one. Why? Because you know what? You know what, Don? You don't know if she loves you unless she chooses to, right? If you could force her to, if you could force her to love you, then then she'd be going, how's that love? I'm forced to do it. You wouldn't even know what it is. But when she says, I choose to, and I know what your breath is like in the morning, then you're going, wow, that's love. That's really love there. So there's choice involved, and people get to choose. And when people choose, because God's given us choice, when they choose to go in the wrong direction, in the opposite direction, the Father says, I'm going to let you go. But I am praying for you to come back. I am waiting for you to come back. And when you come back... Do you see how I'm going to treat you? I'm going to forgive you. I'm going to treat you like my child, which is what you are and were and should be. And I'm going to forgive you. I'm going to forgive you. If that's you, and you've been traveling where you shouldn't be, you've been pursuing things that have made other things your God instead of Him, He is waiting, waiting for you to come back so he can receive you with love and forgive you. All right, we got one more loss. Let's look at him, verse number 25. Meanwhile, the older son was in the fields working. When he returned home, he heard music and dancing in the house, and he asked one of the servants what was going on. Your brother is back, he was told, and your father has killed the fattened calf. We are celebrating because of his return. The older brother was angry and wouldn't go in. His father came out and begged him, but he replied, All these years I've slaved for you and never once refused to do a single thing you told me to do. And in all that time, you never even gave me one young goat for a feast with my friends. Yet when this son of yours comes back after squandering your money on prostitutes, you celebrate by killing the fattened calf. Boy, he is upset, isn't he? Did you know some are lost because they think they can earn it? And so they're not about the relationship? I would suggest to you that this older brother was as lost as the younger one. Relationally. He didn't understand his dad. He, he, he was being obedient to his dad so he could get what he wanted to get. And then he was mad at his dad because his dad didn't give it to him the way he thought he ought to give it to him. Even though he hadn't asked. Where do we find people like that in the Christian faith? Everywhere. Church. Thank you. Church. Most of those people are, oh, you might be mad at God right now because he isn't doing it the way you think he should. See, that's the older brother, but he didn't understand his dad. His dad's saying, I want you in relationship with me. But he's not in relationship. He's saying, I'm doing this, I'm doing this, I'm doing this, and therefore you should do this. And sometimes we live that way. I've gone to Sunday school. I've got got my pins for doing it. I, I attend church. I even do this. I'm in a small group. I do all the things you want me to do. But God's not responding in the way I want him to respond, and I'm mad at him because of it. And what's his response? Verse 31, the father said to him, Look, dear son, you've always stayed by me, and everything I have is yours. We had to celebrate this happy day, for your brother was dead and has come back to life. He was lost, but now is found. He's saying, I want you in a relationship with me. I want you to understand me and how much I love you. I want to do this together with you. But you need to let me be the father. And you be my son in relationship. Oh, that's what God's telling some of us. I want you to just love me in relationship with me. It's not about what I can give you or be mad at me because I don't give it to you in the right way. You see, some are lost because they think they can earn it. And and Jesus is saying, you cannot earn it that way. You cannot. You are just part of my family because you are. And I've adopted you in. And then here, I love the way he concludes this because he's showing us the lost being found is a reason for celebration. And he said, it's celebrated. All three of these things, the angels in heaven are celebrating. I'm going to get all of my friends together and celebrate. It's a celebration. It is good news. And it doesn't matter how you got lost because Jesus just wants you found and saved. And we, we as a body of believers get to celebrate that. I'm telling you, friends, Arbor should be a party church. We should be a party church. We should be a church that's so excited about celebrating what God is doing in people's lives that we always are finding ourselves stopping and saying, Yes, God. Yes, God. You go, God. You're doing it, and I get to watch it, and I get to be part of it, and I'm your kid, and that just just freaks me out, just blows my mind, just makes me so humble because you love me no matter how I got lost. Now listen, we have covered clearly, Jesus said his purpose was to come to seek and to save the lost. He said his motivation to come was love. There's one other thing that we've got to cover yet, and here's what it means. There is something, there's a reason that Jesus does not take us home when we are found and saved. There's a reason for that. And, and the reason is because he wants you to understand. Once you are found and saved, your role in life changes. Your purpose for living changes. Once you are found and saved, your life is no longer all about you. Your life is no longer all about how you can get what you want or go where you want or get or do this thing or or all. that's. Once you are found and saved and you know what Jesus has done for you, you are now saying, Lord, I'm changing my role. My role is I'm going to live for you. And he says, so how does that look? In John 17, 18, Jesus is praying to the fathers just before the crucifixion. And he prays to the father and he says this, just as you sent me into the world, I am sending them into the world. What was Jesus' purpose? To seek and to save the lost. That means he's saying, Father, just as you sent me with that purpose and the motivation being love, I am now sending them for the same purpose. Into where? The world. For God so loved the world. And it's the world that we are to be in, but not of, Jesus says. Which means we live in the world, but we have a different objective, than people who are living in the world who are not found and saved. Our objective is not the world's culture. Our objective is to seek and to save the lost. Wow, Lord. You're actually going to use me for that? Because I don't think I know how to do that. Good. Good. Just do what I tell you to do and get out of the way. I'm the pursuer, but I'll do it through you. And don't worry... Don't consume yourself with. Don't think about all the reasons why they got lost or how they got lost. You just be concerned about them being found and saved. So we get the chance to share the good news, and, and uh, I'm going to ask you to pray about that. I'm going to ask you to say, "Lord, how can you use me more effectively?" There, uh, in Matthew chapter nine, verse thirty-seven, and by the way, uh, Matthew nine thirty-seven has this, and Luke ten. Verse 2 also says the same thing. Both report the same thing, that Jesus is speaking to his disciples, and he says, the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray earnestly or diligently to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. What it means is to send you out, to send me out. But he's saying to pray earnestly or diligently means not just once, it means passionately and it means consistently. So here's what I'm going to ask you to do. I'm going to ask you to consider taking out your cell phone and, and setting an alarm for either 9.37 or 10.02, Matthew 9.37 or Luke 10 2, They they're the same thing. Uh, And you can do it a.m., p.m., whatever you want. I have done this for years, and I have mine set on the day, or used to have it set at the daytime, and then I have a lot of meetings that sometimes now I I have to move that a little bit. But when your alarm goes off, you just go, Oh, I just remembered, i got to pray earnestly and diligently. Lord, would you send forth laborers into the harvest? You're saying the harvest is rich. Show me how. Show me how to be part of that. 937-1002. And now when that alarm goes off, and I've had this happen with both believers and non-believers. It's really kind of fun. With believers, I've been sitting having a meeting, also my alarm goes off. Oh, oh, oh sorry, that's my alarm. Your alarm? Yep, that's my alarm to pray for. Uh, Luke 10, too. At that time, it was Luke, I was using Luke 10, too. Uh, it says, pray to the Lord of the harvest. If the harvest is plentiful. Pray for him to send out laborers. And then I look at the other person who's the believer and say, would you pray for us right now? Oh, that's a lot of fun. With a non-believer, I tell them the same thing. I said, but so I won't won't do that right now, but I want you to know people are praying for you like me. And I'm doing it every day at that time. Well, I don't do it on Sundays at that time because my alarm went off when I was preaching one time. Although it was a good excuse, but here's the thing. It doesn't matter how we got lost. Jesus wants you found and saved. And I am praying that you and I will have the heart of Jesus in the way we love the lost, we pursue the lost, we seek the lost, and we help the lost be found. I'm going to close in prayer in just a second. But before I do that, I want to, I want to tell you something. At the end of the service, we're going to, after I close in prayer, the worship team is going to come up here. We're going to have a couple of songs, and then Hayden's going to uh, uh, dismiss us. For those of you who are here, Here's what I'd like you to do. If you have realized where you're at in this and you realize that you've been lost, whether you've been lost in the church or outside of the church, doesn't matter, I'm going to ask you not to leave today without getting prayer, without having somebody pray with you. We will have people up here on my left-hand side, your right-hand side, over here to, up, up front to pray with you. Here's another thing I want you to do. If there is someone in your life that you are praying for, that you've been praying for, that is lost, or maybe you haven't been praying for them, but now the Holy Spirit's putting them on your mind, they need to be found, and you know it. The Bi- Jesus tells us, and the Bible tells us, get, get two or three to be together in agreement on that. So, you, if that's you, and there's someone, it's a sister, it's a brother, it's a good friend, it's someone else, and you're thinking, man, I want to pray for them. I'm concerned for them. Don't leave today until you take care of that business. You come up here and meet with somebody to have them pray with you in agreement with you for that person. And those of you online who are watching online right now, if God's put that on your heart, you type it in there that this is what's going on and somebody will get a hold of you, we will get a hold of you, even if we can't do it today, we will get a hold of you and we'll pray with you for those people, for that situation, for those circumstances, okay? Let's pray right now. Lord Jesus, thank you. Thank you that you love us the way you do. Thank you that you have shown it in so many ways, and thank you for your word, where you just tell us in your word to come and to, and to open ourselves up and to look for you, to ask for you, to intervene. So Lord, we do that right now. And we, I, I want to just lay out, Lord, the people that, uh, that are on our hearts and minds that, that we want to see you see them be found and saved. Have that great relationship with you with the shepherd and the sheep, with the father and the son. So Lord, just give us eyes to see and ears to hear and listen to you. Thank you for that in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's worship.